1: to go meet somebody she'd been corresponding with online. That's the only thing we can say with absolute certainty. What happened when she got to where she was going to meet this person
2: is the mystery. It's Saturday, September 14th, 2019, and 42-year-old Jessica Nunez is settling in for a typical evening at home, Jessica lives with her husband and four children in Glendale, Arizona, a suburb just nine miles northwest of downtown Phoenix. She's a devoted stay-at-home mom, and her husband often works late to support the family. Jessica always waits for him to get home before going to bed, and tonight she's filling the time by reviewing plans for her oldest daughter Alicia's upcoming 15th birthday celebration that's just a few days away. But Jessica Nunez will never have the chance to celebrate this milestone with her daughter because Alicia is about to vanish into the night. I'm Steve French, and this is Unsolved Mysteries, lured from home.
3: That night, I heard her laughing a lot. She was having a conversation with somebody. I was downstairs and I could actually hear her. I was watching TV and she came downstairs and she asked me what I was doing still awake. She was wearing an oversized shirt with her black short tights. Her hair was down. I told her I was waiting for my husband to come home from work. And she said, Mom, you need to go to sleep and she just went upstairs. And that was the last time I saw her.
2: That brief conversation with Alicia takes place around 10.30 Saturday night. The following morning starts off like any other Sunday. Jessica wakes up early, lets her dogs out, makes coffee, and starts preparing breakfast. Alicia isn't up yet, but like most teenagers, she usually sleeps in on the weekends. Then, as Jessica drinks her morning coffee, she notices something that's definitely not typical.
3: I noticed the back door was slightly open, but I didn't think too much of it. I thought maybe my husband went out at night and left the door open. When we were having breakfast, I told my husband, did you leave the back door open? He said no. So I asked him, can you please check on Elisa and make sure that she's okay? Okay. So he went upstairs, he called her name, and there was no answer. So then he told me, Alicia's not here. We went in the backyard, and that's when we noticed that there were some chairs stacked up in the back brick wall. And we noticed some footprints going towards that brick wall.
2: It's clear to Jessica that Alicia must have left the house during the night, something she's never done before. But why? Fearing the worst, Jessica immediately calls 911.
3: I believe my daughter did not use the front door because it would have made more noise and my husband was sleeping in the living room. I do believe Alicia stacked up these chairs for her to be able to climb the wall. Without these chairs, she would have not been able to jump the wall. She never, ever, ever done this before. So for her to do this, it's like totally out of character.
2: Jessica races through the neighborhood knocking on doors, asking anyone if they've seen Alicia. But no one has. When the police arrive, she tells officers everything she can remember from the last 24 hours. The only thing that seemed unusual was Alicia's comment from late Saturday night, encouraging her mother to go to bed. The police determined that Alicia likely left the house sometime between 3.30 and 6 a.m., they ask Jessica to provide a list of Alicia's friends, thinking that the young girl simply ran away from home. After the police leave, Jessica searches Alicia's room for anything that might indicate why she would want to leave or where she would go.
3: My daughter only liked to wear certain clothes. So I know exactly what clothes was missing from her closet. There is a couple of sweaters some underwear and socks and two pairs of shorts and her laptop and her phone in a small backpack. Other than that, that's all that was missing. Both of her computer charger and her iPhone charger were still there. They were still connected.
2: Why would Alicia take her laptop and phone, but not the chargers? That tells Jessica that her daughter didn't intend to be gone long. As her search continues, Jessica discovers a note clearly written in Alicia's handwriting.
3: On that note, she wrote, I ran away. I will not be back. I swear. I am sorry, Alicia. I know that her intentions were to come back. I questioned myself. If it's something, you know, that she was not happy here or... With her saying that she wants to come back, I know she would have been here already.
2: Jessica continues to search for her daughter or any information about where Alicia could have gone. She even drives the streets at night, desperately hoping to spot her little girl. Jessica describes Alicia as petite, with long brown hair and light brown eyes a sweet, quiet girl who loves electronics and who is a caring older sister to her younger siblings. But Alicia also has some traits that make Jessica extremely concerned about her daughter's well-being, traits that Jessica first noticed when Alicia was just five years old.
3: Some of the things that I noticed different is how she didn't like tags on her clothes. She only liked to eat certain foods. And she always like the same, word the same thing over and over again. She used to bite her clothes, her knuckles, stuff like that. I took her to a psychologist. They did various months of testing. My daughter was diagnosed with Asperger's and an anxiety disorder. So from there, I quit my job. I got her a therapist and I also got behavior coaching so they could tell me how I can manage. She didn't like changes. She liked to have everything planned out. They taught me how to get a calendar and let her know about her appointments ahead of time, how to manage certain things differently so she won't be overwhelmed.
2: Accommodating Alicia's diagnosis required a number of changes for the entire family. Jessica also has two younger children, who could sometimes be difficult for Alicia to handle. So, to give her some privacy, Jessica and her husband moved Alicia's bedroom to the other side of the house. Another symptom of Alicia's condition is difficulty with social situations. While she has a handful of close friends that she's known since preschool, Alicia has trouble connecting with new people in person. She's much more comfortable spending time on her computer.
3: My daughter just loved gaming and being on a computer since she was small. She spent most of the time on the computer on her free time, playing games online. And I know a lot of people judge me because of that. But when you have a daughter that doesn't like to socialize in person, I only thought about my daughter's happiness.
2: Alicia never seems to let her computer time get in the way of her classwork. So Jessica doesn't see a need to limit or monitor her daughter's time on the computer. But still, as Alicia gets older, Jessica keeps a close eye on communications on her daughter's phone.
3: I did occasionally check my daughter's phone. One time she was asleep, she left the phone and I noticed she was texting with somebody and it was not appropriate. It was an out-of-state number and whoever the other person was asked my daughter... If she likes stuffed animals, if she had any stuffed animals, my daughter said yes. And that person told her, do you want me to be your teddy bear? And she didn't respond. One of the conversations, he requested a picture of her in her underwear and she didn't respond or sent the picture. I did call the police and the police claimed that there is nothing that can be done since there was no crime committed.
2: Jessica immediately blocks the number and takes Alicia's phone away for months. Eventually, Alicia convinces her mother that she can be trusted not to engage with strangers, and her phone is returned to her. Jessica's not aware of any more inappropriate conversations and believes that Alicia is being more cautious. With Alicia's 15th birthday approaching, Jessica thinks it's time to trust her daughter with more privacy and independence.
3: I do believe my daughter Alicia was looking forward for that day. I am Hispanic, and when someone turns 15, it's a big deal for us. We call it quinceañera. It's kind of like a sweet 16. And we usually do a big party, a big dress. She didn't want none of that. All she wanted was a red velvet cake, and she wanted to go to a fancy steak restaurant. If she was planning not to be there, why tell me all that? Why want all that? I don't understand.
2: In the days leading up to Alicia's birthday, Jessica holds out hope that her daughter will return, as she promised in her letter, so they can celebrate her quinceañera together. But Alicia's birthday arrives, and she's still nowhere to be found.
3: My first flyer distribution event was on her birthday. On September 20th, there was a planned event in a nearby park where her friends showed up for that event and also people that I didn't know from the community. I already had her cake ordered, and I took that cake to that event, and I sang happy birthday. And afterwards, we walked and we gave away flyers in the local community. It was a very sad day for me.
2: With Alicia still missing on her birthday, The possibility that she simply ran away from home for a few days seems more and more unlikely. The police investigation shifts gears from looking for a runaway child to trying to identify suspects that could be involved in something far more nefarious.
1: There were a lot of leads early on that Alicia was seen around town with different people in different locations around Phoenix and parks. I know that Glendale followed up on a lot of those leads and they didn't pan out to anything.
2: Trent Steele is the president and national director of investigative operations for an organization known as the Anti-Predator Project, a private investigation firm with a specialty in digital analytics and tracing. Staffed by cybersecurity experts and former intelligence agents, the Anti-Predator Project helps track down missing people by investigating their digital footprint.
1: I'm probably the only guy that gets up every day and wishes somebody would put me out of business because this is a sad business and we're far busier than we should be. Right now, we're working 45 different cases in 15 states and five countries. We've been able to help a lot of families over the years, whether that's finding their missing child, whether it's helping a survivor escape a trafficking situation and get back on their feet in life, whether it's helping to train law enforcement so they can deal with this properly. We've been very fortunate to be able to do A lot of good.
4: Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners Adidas, Expedia, and Ray-Ban. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. Hey, Unsolved Mysteries listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com, then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. There's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for family members, and sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with Gift Mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for my fitness fanatic sister. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now.
2: Six months after Alicia's disappearance, Trent Steele and his team are asked to collaborate with local authorities on the investigation. Glendale police have been able to determine that Alicia was likely lured from her home by someone using social media. But very few police departments are equipped to investigate cybercrimes. They need Trent's expertise to move the case forward and hopefully find Alicia.
1: When we get a hold of the case in March of 2020, the first thing that we do is start going through the cyber stuff, everything from things like email addresses to video game accounts to social media, you name it, we started going through it. Alicia spent a lot of time online, on video games, on different platforms. And the more time you spend in that world, the more time you have to come in contact with people that have ill intentions because there are people that surf those chat rooms, go to those places with the sole intent of trying to recruit kids to send them photos, to meet them. It's sad that it has to be this way in this world, right? You want your kids to believe that the world is generally a good place and that everybody they meet can be their friend and is a good person. And you don't wanna have to explain that the world can be a really bad place and it's got some really bad people in it. And maybe you shouldn't be so friendly with everybody you meet. Alicia was very friendly, and I think that's really kind of what made her a prime target.
3: My daughter was speaking to a lot of people online. She had thousands of friends on social media, on the gaming world. I do believe it was easy for her to connect online because she didn't have the physical person in front of her. You could be anyone you want or be how you want to be. And I believe that's why she enjoyed it. It was a school project that she did a little bit before she left. She had to describe her personality to her classmates and describe herself. One of the words that she used was introverted. She described herself as nerdy.
2: Jessica learns that Alicia was far more active in online communities than she had ever imagined. Trent immediately suspects that Alicia was the target of an online predator who was grooming her to leave the house. He directs his team to look for evidence of inappropriate communications and makes a list of the online accounts that she used.
1: You start looking at how the grooming online starts, right? And it starts with, oh, well, let's have a conversation that's minorly inappropriate. Or I'm going to send you a picture, but maybe you could send me something that is a little bit more risque than what I'm sending you and they just ease them into it and then before you know it they've gone down a completely different road than they ever intended on going down they can be absolutely anybody they want so kids think they're talking to their peers from across town or from across the country and they think maybe hey listen we're gonna meet up we're gonna sneak out of the house and we're gonna go meet up and go play video games or we're gonna meet up and go hang out and Then when they get there, they realize that the 13, 14, 15-year-old girl or 13, 14, 15-year-old boy they were talking to is actually a grown adult in their 30s or 40s. And by the time they realize that and they realize they're in a bad situation, it's too late. Sometimes they're already in a vehicle with the door shut and they can't go anywhere. There's not an option to get out. Sometimes they get there and the bad guy tells them a story like, oh, hey, I know I you know, told a little white lie, but we still have all stuff in common. Let's go hang out. Let's go play video games. You know, whatever they use to build a bond with this kid. And they end up talking the child into going with him wherever they're going.
2: Trent suspects that whoever convinced Alicia to leave her home that night must have invested a lot of time in grooming her. When you start
1: talking about Alicia, right, you take into account that she had autism. And autistic kids generally takes them a little longer to trust people than a normal kid. Chances are, whoever she was talking to, whether it be a, a person or multiple people, she probably talked to them for quite some time before they were able to get her trust to the level to where she was willing to leave the house to meet them. This wasn't something that happened in two days. Most likely, this was something that took place over the course of of weeks, months, maybe even a year or more.
2: Based on their initial findings, Trent believes that whoever coaxed Alicia into leaving her house on September 14th told her to bring her computer and cell phone, knowing that without access to those devices, investigators can't determine who she's been communicating with.
1: We have reason to believe that she may have been communicating on some apps on her phone. So in the event like this, that conversation and the correspondence with the bad guy disappears with that person. Because the only place to recover that is from the device itself. And you're just out of luck. You can't get
2: it. The fact that Alicia didn't take her phone and computer charger further complicates the search for her devices. Because they're untraceable once the battery is completely drained.
1: We don't know if she didn't take the phone charger on purpose or if she didn't take the phone charger because she was planning on coming home. She left that note, so we have every reason to believe right now that she had every intention of coming home, and that's probably why she didn't take the charger.
2: Trent and his team are all too familiar with the strategies employed by the kinds of people who abduct children like Alicia. The Anti-Predator Project has done extensive work in mapping out the networks of human trafficking, both within the United States and abroad, hoping to use that knowledge to locate innocent victims
1: when they talk about human trafficking. A lot of people, the first thing that comes to mind is something like the movie Taken, where somebody gets snatched and they're kept in a place where they don't wanna be. And the reality is, is human trafficking in the United States, a majority of it, a vast majority of it is not like that. A lot of people don't understand you can be trafficked without ever leaving your home. You're talking to somebody online that talks your child into sending them inappropriate pictures. That person then takes that inappropriate picture and sells it to their friend in another part of the world. And that person takes that picture and sells it to their friend in another part of the world. Before you know it, your child's been trafficked online all around the world and has never left their living room. So that's another form of trafficking that people need to be aware of
2: today. Trent and his team continue to develop leads in Alicia's case. However, the world of human trafficking is vast. So locating the young girl is an enormous undertaking.
1: I would say that human trafficking is probably the biggest, and if not the biggest, the second largest crime industry in the entire world, as far as, as money making goes. And it's not going away anytime soon. You're looking at a $150, $160 billion a year global operation when it comes to human trafficking. And the reality is those numbers are probably higher because those are the numbers we know about. You bring a bale of cocaine across the border you sell the bale of cocaine for whatever it is, well, you've got to go back and get another one. You bring a human being across the border, or you take a human being to a city, you can sell that human being five, 10, 15, 20, 30 times a night. And then you can do that again the next night and the night after that. So unfortunately, the bad guys out there have realized that human trafficking is extremely profitable.
2: Could Alicia Navarro be the unwilling prisoner of a criminal enterprise? Trent Steele believes it's a strong possibility but working with limited information, he can't completely rule out any scenario.
1: The sad part with Alicia's case is we have absolutely zero indicators to say where she's at. I think the silver lining here is that we have zero indications that she's deceased at this point, because with everywhere where her dental records and her DNA are, if there was a Jane Doe that was found or if there was a, a known body that was found somewhere, the first thing law enforcement does is check those databases, those records. And if there would have been a hit, we would know about it by now. There are stories out there where kids have gone and been missing for two, three, four, sometimes up to 10 years and been found, you know, hiding in some stranger's house or being kept in a back room.
3: I honestly think that if my daughter could call me, she would have already she has compassion, if she sees me crying, if she sees me looking for her, I know she would have called and said, Mom, I'm okay. I know that. I don't think they're letting her.
2: Even for the most experienced investigators, finding a missing child is a daunting challenge. Trent Steele believes the best way to protect children from the dangers lurking online is is for parents to be aware of the risks and take an active role in their children's relationship with technology.
1: One thing that we're working on to try to ensure this doesn't happen is work with parents to create healthy online virtual environments at home. Doing things like saying, well, you can't have a smartphone. You can't have a tablet. You can't have a laptop. We just can't do that because they need those things for school. They need those things for safety. but. If your child is 10 years old or under, they don't need a smartphone. They still make flip phones. Absolutely no reason to give your child unrestricted access to the internet, unrestricted access to bad guys. The second thing is this, parents need to take time to understand technology. Understand what your kids are into. If your kids are into video games, understand the video games. If your kids have social media, make sure you have their passwords. The reality is when the bad stuff like this happens, there isn't a fix. That's why we have to work with parents on the front side to prevent this from happening.
3: What I want other parents to know is if it happened to me, it could happen to anybody. I love my kids and not knowing how my daughter is, how she's being treated. It's something that I don't wish upon anyone. So my advice is she learned from me and to pay more attention to this subject because I never thought that I would be in this situation.
2: It's been more than three years since Alicia went missing, but both her mother and Trent Steele hold out hope that she will eventually be found. The FBI is now involved in the case, and Trent's team spends nearly 30 hours a week chasing leads, bringing in outside experts and petitioning judges for search warrants.
1: This case has become extremely personal to me. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that whoever would do this to not just a girl, but a girl that was autistic, this is a bad person. That's why we spend so much time on it. And we've got information that we're still following up on. This is by no means a dead case. Jessica's a fantastic mom. She didn't do anything wrong. Unfortunately, she falls into that gap of she did not grow up with technology, she didn't understand it, and she had a daughter that was very good with it. What she's been through and how she's been able to carry on with her everyday life and still raise the two youngsters, not knowing where her child's at. This job really sucks sometimes because you have to deal with stuff like this, but you get the opportunity also to meet some really amazing people and she's Truly one of the most amazing parents I've ever had the opportunity to work with. If there's a resolution that can ever be brought to this case, we're gonna make sure it happens.
2: Jessica Nunez remains dedicated to the search for her daughter and to spreading the word about Alicia's disappearance. Until her daughter is finally located, Jessica will not rest. I
3: look for her locally still. I had looked for her internationally. I have contacted search groups since I live in Arizona across the border. And I even have gone to Mexico looking for my daughter. I have hope. How could a mother lose hope? I'm her mother. I will never lose hope to find my daughter.
2: To see a photo of Alicia Navarro, or to leave a tip about where she might be, contact the Glendale, Arizona Police Department at 623-930-3000 or the Anti-Predator Project at 305-796-4859 or submit a tip at unsolved.com. Next, on Unsolved Mysteries.
3: The first autopsy said that he drowned. He had a couple contusions, but they didn't X-ray him. I think they were very quick to say that Tyler drowned. Mitch was like, I'll be honest with you, this is probably just a bad thing happened to a really good person, a bad accident. But when he saw what I had, when he saw the photos I had, he was like, something's wrong here.
2: Unsolved Mysteries is a production of Cosgrove Mirror Productions and Cadence 13, an Odyssey company. It is executive produced by Terry dunn and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Christine Lennig, Courtney Ennis, Bill Schultz, and Keith Shea. The story producer for this episode was Caitlin Cutt, and it was edited by Ryan Dan. From Cadence 13, editing, mixing, and mastering by Chris Basil and Andy Jaskowitz. Production support by Sean Cherry, Ian Mont, and Ava Fenneberger. Artwork and design is by Kurt Courtney. Publicity by Maura Curran, Josefina Francis, and Hilary Shuff. The original theme music was composed by Gary Malkin and Michael Boyd. Thanks for listening to Episode 69 of Unsolved Mysteries. Update. Alicia Navarro has been found safe. After being missing for almost four years, Alicia walked into a police station in Montana near the Canadian border and identified herself to authorities. Officials say she appears healthy, safe, and happy. Alicia and her mother have been reunited, and the family requests privacy as the investigation continues. Details of Alicia's disappearance remain unclear. However, as more information is released, updates will be made available on our website and across our social media platforms.